Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen. I'm your host. With me, as always, my partner and co-host, Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. What's going on, Rod? Hey, great. Glad to be here. I'm excited for spring break. Spring break is exciting. What are you doing for spring break? We're going to go to uh, California, Southern Cal, San Diego, Palm Springs. Mm. Sounds like it's probably going to be nicer there than it is here in Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah we did all right last weekend, but it cooled off again, so... Uh... Go so you decided you would follow the weather. Follow 70s, the weather. and uh, by the time we get into Palm Springs, probably be like mid-80s, but uh, man, that sounds all right right now. That does sound all right. Okay, here's the question, Rod. Are you ex- are you ready for an exciting topic today? Oh, man. Like, I, I, I can't, can't even I'm super excited yeah. about this. Okay, good. I'm glad. So today, we're going to talk disability and long-term care insurance. Yeah. You, you can't, Woo! we couldn't have dreamed That's up right. a more exciting topic. Yeah. Okay. So let's just acknowledge the fact that we know that talking about disability and long-term care insurance is probably one of the most boring subjects <laughs> that, that anybody can, can possibly like attempt to teach on. However, however, we want to acknowledge, especially because our audience just happens to be a bunch of high income earners mm-hmm. who generally need to do this or who should do this so regardless of the fact that it's incredibly boring rod it is also incredibly valuable yeah yeah but that's why we keep you around because you can you you'll liven it up i'll i'll dampen it down a little (laughs) bit i'll do something i'll lighten it up at least rod uh, yeah that sounds good yeah so that's my job my job is to try to make disability and long-term care insurance a little less painful I'm not going to try to like pretend that I can make it fun. So let's not <laughs> let's not push it that far. That's what but I've been I'm telling try people. To make it... I, I keep telling people you will, but I mean, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to do my best, but but I'm not willing to put like my stamp on that. Okay. Like, I'm going to do my best, but no promises. Deal. Okay. Deal. So here's the deal, Rod. We're going to start with disability insurance. Okay. Um, and I think the most logical place to start is probably by telling us what it is okay and don't take anything for granted. okay take a few things for granted rod but okay give us a baseline yeah, we'll start, for what we'll start it is. the basics so disability insurance is just if you are working and you have a regular income uh, but you're concerned about if you became disabled what would happen to yourself your family your expenses mm-hmm. then with disability income you can replace a portion of your income, usually it's up to 60-65% of your working income where the, they just send you a check each month if you become disabled. Okay, I have a question. I'm going to throw a, a fastball at you oh, already, already, Rob. Okay, I'm ready. Why is it 60-65%? to 65%? It's a great question. Why is the replacement 60-65%? to 65%? Somebody out there decided that was a good idea. Now, part of that, That's and, brilliant. and we'll get into this in a little bit as far as like the tax side of it, but... Uh, there's some component to that, right? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going like to get into the, it now. So let, let's just talk about the tax. So if, okay. if you buy it, tell us about the tax and we'll skip it later. If you're getting it through your employer, then it, it might be taxable, 
right? Most often it is. If you're getting it on yeah. your own, you're you're paying your own premiums, then uh, then it's not taxable. The income that's coming to you, that that disability income, is not taxable. So there's so there's an adjustment for that, um, but that's that's probably the biggest reason is the, the okay the tax difference. okay. Okay, good. So disability income is just a way to replace our income if we become disabled while we're living. And there's short term and there's long term. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about both. Absolutely. But here we go. Let's uh, let's talk about how it works, Rod. We know what it is. Now let's talk about how it works. Okay, so there are two ways to get it. You can get it through your employer or you can mm-hmm. buy it on your own. And, uh, and like you said, short term insurance... I don't know many people that buy their own short-term disability. Usually that is something that exists on the employer side. And what that one is, is, is it's going to cover it. It's not going to cover it for very long. Essentially it's, it's maybe a, a 30, 60, 90 day type of coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have this thing called an elimination period. Now this is really where it gets exciting. Uh, yeah. the elimination period is basically how long you have to wait from the time you become disabled to the point where you start receiving that disability income. Okay. 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 Wait. So to cl- for clarify for clarification, we have short term and we have long term. Mm-hmm. Long term is when we just talk disability income in general. We're generally usually. talking. We're usually talking long term disability, mm-hmm. right? The stuff that will cover you for a long period of time if you become disabled. So and then the short term is just what's covering you during a short period of time. Usually, it's to cover the elimination period to wait for the long-term disability to kick in. Yeah, exactly. And so that elimination period might be, it's most often something like 90 days. It could be 120, it could be even 180 um, or, or longer. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, but yeah, the short, short-term kind of bridges the gap to get you to the, the long-term uh, disability. Okay. So. Okay, I've got another one for you, Rod. Okay. Another question. All right. um, already, why would somebody pick a shorter or longer elimination period? It all has mm. to do with the cost. So the longer okay. you wait before they start paying it out. Okay, because here's the thing. Um, let's say I have a disability that's going to cover me for five years, okay? Uh-huh. For up to five years. Uh, most disabling events aren't permanent, right? And so right. Uh, I might have, let's say I, I break my leg, I'm in the hospital, I'm in traction or whatever, uh, I, I get, it, it takes time before I'm to a place where I can start working. Again. I'm going to get to the place where I can start working again, but I'm temporarily disabled maybe for only 30 days or 60 days, right? That would be considered a long period of time with, with the kind of example I just gave. And so, uh, long-term disability insurance isn't meant to cover those kinds of things, but short-term would be. That's so that, that's why we talk, think about as, as kind of filling that gap. You're more often, if you have short-term disability, you're more likely to use that than you are to ever get into the long-term disability. But if it's some, it is something longer term, I lose a limb, I uh, lose my eyesight, I lose some cognitive uh, abilities, then now we're getting into the longer, the more permanent disability type of things. And, uh, and so then it matters, right? That, that five-year time frame or the, or the to age 65 types of things, that, that's when it's really going to matter on those things. But now back to okay. your question, but the longer the elimination period, the lower the cost because the less likely it is that the company will have to end up paying out on more of those shorter term types of issues. 
Okay. Okay. So cost is a big factor. Can I add another component that in my mind, I think would make sense to consider in conjunction with just the cost. And that is your own financial liquidity, right? So if you can, uh, easily weather, let's say that if you can easily weather the storm Mm -hmm. for six months, then it might just make more sense to, you know, because the likelihood of becoming disabled versus the increased cost is kind of what you have to look at. And if you're someone that has six months of savings, no problem, then it might make sense to have a longer elimination period. If not, it might make sense for it to be shorter. But that's another element that probably makes sense to consider when we're determining what we want that elimination period to look like. Yeah, that's a great point. I like it. Okay. You you answered the question better than I did. Man, I am. (laughs) I asked it, so I I had like a jump start. Actually, Rod, can I just tell you? I just thought of it on the on the go. I was like, wait a minute. I think this this could be the I know. This is the brilliance that I can bring to the table here and there. Yep. Yep. I like it. Yes. Okay. Rod, so the next question on our outline here is who needs disability insurance? Do do you think we covered how it works okay? I I think do you have anything to add? Yeah, we'll we'll get into maybe some more like details and and I will also say I, I meant to say this up front that this isn't going to be meant to be like exhaustive like we're going to teach you everything you need to know about disability insurance but we also thank goodness yeah (laughs) but we do want to give people enough information so that they can see the inner workings of it enough to understand whether they should have it when they start looking at it what what things mean etc give you a, a kind of a jump start okay i think that's brilliant rod so let's talk about now that we've defined what it is and basically how it works let's talk about who should have it? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I, I compare it to life insurance. We do, obviously, a lot of life insurance, right? And uh, statistically speaking, someone is more likely to become disabled than they are to die during their working years, right? So it's from that statement. standpoint, uh, having disability insurance, like who should have it? Well, probably anyone who is who is working should consider it. Now we do get into costs. We do get into some of these other things. And, and so if someone's making 30 grand a year, that just may not fit into their, the possibility of taking that on. But of course, right. Our, our audience is more higher income types folks. And so my guess is a lot of the people who are listening to this probably already have some. And so this may just become a little bit of a learning experience in terms of, uh, self-evaluating what you already have. But, um, you know, it, but yeah, certainly if you're a high income earner, right. If you're someone who has significant income that needs to be replaced and, and, and also if you're a specialist, yes, absolutely. right. That has a, that has a, a big to do just because if you, well, talk about why it's important, Rod, if you're a specialist. Well, I mean, a specialist usually implies that there was more, uh, education and or experience that gets you to that place. And so, yeah. you know, if you spent the last two decades getting to where you are now today, where now you all of a sudden have this, the ability to create this, this higher income and you don't protect it, something happens to you. And all of a sudden that those last two decades, it was, well, I was, it's a waste basically, right? Like you just, yeah, for sure. all of that specialty training and experience and all the things to get to where you are now uh, goes to waste. Whereas if you have the insurance, you, and, and and you become disabled, then you're at least still able to benefit by 
by those big numbers, right? Because again, 60, 65%, it's not the same as earning 100%, but it's a lot better than not having it. Right, let's talk about a scenario. Okay. Let's just say theoretically, we have a $700,000 a year income earner that has a net worth of, you know, $5 million, okay. let's just say, and they're 44 years old. Okay. I'm just throwing out a kind of a hypo, again, hypothetical, 45 years old. Um, should that person, like, should that person who's, who you might argue is like, I don't know if you'd say financially independent in terms of being able to replace their five, their $700,000 a year income. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, you know, if they're savers and they're really only using $200,000 of their income, then, you know, they may very well be financially independent. So sure. let's just say a situation like that where, Maybe, you know, maybe you have a high income, but you've also saved a lot. You have a, a relatively high net worth and you're trying to determine, does it make sense to do the, you know, to buy the insurance? Because mm-hmm. maybe it's not like a, a true need. Um, in that situation, it's more like, do I prefer, do I want to do it that way? Do I want to cover it that way or do I want to cover it another way? Anyway, w- yeah, what's your thoughts? I, I think that is the, becomes the question, what you just said there at the end. And we see uh, the broad spectrum of, of people in how they answer this. Uh, but I would say, I think more often we see people who are like, I worked hard to get to where I am now and whether I am able to, to work and and make this happen or whether I become disabled, I'm going to get this or, or even die. Right. If I, if I die and I have, I want someone to benefit in some way from, from all the hard work that I put into, to getting to where I am. And so, uh, that, that's. Again, it is an individual yeah. answer, but, but most often that's sure. the way we see people go. Okay. Rod, let's move. Uh, let's change our focus a little bit and talk about the taxation of disability income yeah. insurance and just when it is or when it is and when it isn't taxable. Yeah. So I talked about this a little bit a minute ago, but the, the difference maker is who pays the premiums. So if I'm with an employee employer who offers disability insurance as a benefit, and they're pay- paying yep. the premiums for me. They're going to get the tax deduction. Yes, they're getting which it. means so when I get the benefit, now I it becomes taxable income. Okay. On the other hand, okay. if I'm paying the premiums myself, I have an individual policy, and I'm paying those premiums. Then when I receive that benefit, it's not taxable. Okay. Right, and similarly, it's because the 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 premium wasn't tax deductible. Right, and yep. therefore After the benefit. Premium. Yep, exactly. Okay. Okay, good. Any other components on from a tax standpoint I, that we need to cover yeah, as it relates to disability? Yeah, at the high level income? we're going at this uh, for today, I think that's good. Okay. Okay, that sounds good. So, let's talk about how to evaluate what the options are. Like there's there's a lot of things to kind of consider mm-hmm. in disability income. Um, probably a lot of things that people have heard like names for but maybe don't know. Uh, anyway, why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit more about how to evaluate the options? as it relates to disability income. Yeah. Now the first one is almost, it almost sounds like we're speaking a different language because you'll hear people talk about own or, or any Maybe they should just say the whole word, Rod. <laughs> that, it's just occupation. Gosh. Yeah, that's what it is. So uh, own occupation <laughs> coverage versus any, because here's the deal. The biggest, um, I don't want to call it gray area, but the biggest question mark that usually exists here with this topic is, how do we define disability, right? Mm. Yep. Because it, it's going to be defined in the contract, 
and the insurance company is just going to follow what the contract says. So if you have disability insurance, you better know what the contract says because that's what they're going to follow. Okay. And so yeah, that's a fair point and an important one. Yeah. And so when it comes to this own occupation versus mm-hmm. any occupation, the point is if I become disabled and I can no longer do the specific work that I was doing before my disability, then, and I want to qualify for that insurance, then I need own occupation coverage, own OC coverage. Uh, that's the de- that that creates the definition. Whereas if it's any, so if it's just any occupation, then what they're saying is, okay, if you could no longer do what you normally do, but you could reasonably go get another job, doing anything else, then you you don't qualify for disability. It has to really be debilitating to where I I just literally cannot do anything in order to qualify for an any occupation definition. Okay, so so can I just logically state that any high income earner especially a specialist should just have an own occupation policy yeah and the cool thing is is that the companies uh, allow you to get really specific so if i'm a let's say i'm uh an obgyn but then i i'll do some other things on the side maybe some family practice or maybe some other things right um yeah i want my definition to be specific to my OBGYN work that I do on a day in and day out basis, the majority of the work that I'm doing and I can do that. Right. Um, so any kind of specialist that they'll go into, not just, not just categorical, uh, occupations like surgeon, I can get really specific to the type of surgery. Mm, Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I realized that. Yeah. Okay. So the first point here is that we've got the own occupation versus any occupation. Uh, let's talk about the maximum benefit period. Yeah, so this is now where it starts to get into how long the coverage is going to be. So we talked about it's it's considered long-term disability. Uh, and and so usually kind of the, the shortest end of that, I've seen three-year, but but five years often the starting point to where yeah. it covers me. And and the maybe the mindset behind someone who buys a five-year policy is, okay, if I become disabled... Maybe it's like the example you gave, right? I have, I do have uh, a fair amount of assets that I've built up. I do want to cover myself, but I don't know, feel like I need to, you know, get myself to retirement age necessarily, right? I can, yeah. I can take something shorter term and then figure out something in the meantime through my investing, through other things like that, that I, where I don't have to work at the same level as I was doing, you know, in, inside of my occupation then. You know, maybe a five year makes sense or a, a 10 years is another common number. When you get beyond that, then usually what they do is, is there, uh, it's becomes age based. So I'm, I'm covered up till I get be- to age 65 or 67 or age 70. Um, and so that the idea there is, okay, I'm 40 years old now. Uh, if I become disabled tomorrow at 45, am I ready to, to drop off of that, that coverage? Or, or at 50 if I did a 10-year. No, I want to I carry this out to, to the retirement agent. Okay, so here's what, Rod, normally what I've seen in my years in the business is that going to 65, and of course, you know, you can go longer than that, but I think typically if you're talking about something as an emergency vehicle, mm-hmm. and that's really what mm-hmm. disability income insurance is. Uh, now, th- this should be an individual decision like, it could depend on where, what age you are today. 
um, how long you've been doing, you know, in the occupation you have. Like, there's just a whole bunch of factors that could come into play yeah. individually. But what I've most commonly seen, I think, is people going to 65 just because that's kind of the arbitrary retirement age that we've thrown out there. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Okay. I agree. Okay, so we've already talked about the elimination period, mm-hmm. Rod, which means we get to get into this really fun world <laughs> of writers. Yeah, so... Uh, again, get it. okay. Wait, before we get into a writer's yeah. rod, what is a writer? Yeah, exactly. And just let's not take anything for granted here. Okay, so a writer is something that you attach to a base insurance policy. So, for example, if the base uh, insurance policy in this case means that it's going to pay out, you know, fifteen thousand dollars a month for my disability uh, coverage, and I'm going to attach writers to it, then that's just going to either enhance the the amount that I'm receiving. Or, or like redefine the way that I receive it uh, when it comes time. So okay, so okay, so we need to give an example. I think that'll help. Yeah. It was actually looking. So just jump into like some of these. We've yeah. got the inflation adjustment rider, indemnity. Yeah. Okay, so the inflation partial payout. Oh man, these are all fun. Okay, start out with the inflation adjustment. Yeah, inflation rider. adjustment. I mean it. Pretty much does what you would expect, right? The concern is... <laughs> it probably adjusts for inflation. Yeah, if I'm 40 years I'm old just now guessing. and I'm looking for coverage till I'm 65 and, and just this whole change of the cost of living uh, over time. So I need an adjustment, right? And so yeah. that... So let's just say theoretically then, I'm just going to throw out how this would work. Let's say that my base policy you were talking about, it gives me a $15,000 a month mm-hmm. um, and I'm paying, I don't know, $300 a month for that or whatever the, whatever the premium okay. number is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying my $300 for that, but then I'm like, Hey, inflation's a killer. It could, it could be significant, especially if I'm younger yeah. and I want to add that rider to it. It might be an extra, you know, $15 a month onto your, yeah. onto your premium to add that additional rider, which then of course adjusts for inflation. So you have more money as it gets bigger. Yes. Uh, that's basically how it works, yep. right? That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Let's talk about this next one. Cause I honestly don't know what it means. Uh, indemnity benefits. Okay. So indemnity, think about AFLAC. So okay, uh, it, okay. it's insurance that pay coverage that pays out if something happens to you. And so in this case, the presumption is there was something that happened to you that led to your disability. And so maybe okay. I, I lost a limb. And so there, there are just inherent uh, costs that go with that, that may not be covered with my health insurance. Or I need some cosmetic surgery or, or other things like that, that that may come along with oh, this yeah. type of a disabling event, then these the indemnity. Indemnity just means they're going to send you a check. As it just means they're paying you back, basically. Yes. It's like, hey, you're going to have to pay for this issue, and then you send us the receipts and we'll pay you back. If it, Again, if it's inside this definition of what we right. have decided to indemnify. Right. It may be a receipts-based thing, or it may even just be like, hey, if you lose a limb, then you have an extra 20 grand worth of coverage or something like that, right? Okay, so yeah, that's a, a great point. That. You're right. And and so you're that, that's what it is. Okay, Rod, so this next one on your outline is partial payout. Yeah, I think this is a big one, be- and, and it's not on all policies, okay? But but okay. let's just say that – Explain. Let's say I'm a, you know, a, a surgeon, and mm-hmm. I have something that happens to me that affects me. Let's just say it's cognitively, okay? And, okay. and I can continue to function at, at a certain level, but maybe 
maybe I, I tire easily or something like that. And so I'm not able to work the same hours as I used to or, or, or whatever. So maybe I can mm, earn, okay. maybe I can earn 50, 60% of what I was previously, but I can't do what well, I used to anymore. So it would be in, in that example, if I can do 60%, but I've lost 40% of my income because I, I just can't keep up, then 40% of my benefit could kick in and, and make up. So let's say, let's say Rod, here's, a, here's a, a thought and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, but let's just say somebody that works with their hands a lot gets like arthritis. Mm-hmm. They can still continue to work, but again, they just don't have the same kind of stamina that they had at one point yep. or there's pain that comes over time. Yeah. And so that's what you're suggesting. You would get the, you, it would basically make up for the, the money that you lost mm-hmm. by not being able to work for that partial period of yeah, time. Yeah. And so, and so it's not an all or nothing thing because if, if I can still work inside of my own occupation uh, and, and I don't have this kind of coverage, then the insurance company is like, well, you're working, right? You can still work, keep working. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but that's, it's not yeah, the it same. Is interesting. So, so we can we can get a partial coverage like that. Okay, Rod. Overhead coverage for business owners. Yeah. So let's if, talk about overhead protection coverage. Yep, if I, if I'm that same more and more surgeon, exciting. right, and something happens okay. to me, and uh, I'm I'm carrying on a business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need I need more than just my individual income to be covered. I need uh, I have other expenses, right? I'm I'm committed on a long term lease. I have, you know, whatever utilities and other things that I'm, I'm committed on. And so as a business owner, I can not only replace my working income, but I can get additional business, uh, dollars for those kinds of business expenses. Okay. Okay. Rod, I'm going to take a stab at this next one. Okay. okay? All right. Let's so see here we have retirement plan contributions and I'm just going to use logic here, but I'm guessing that this writer is going to make retirement plan contributions, even if I'm disabled. So here's how it works. Let's just say normally I, I put my $20,000 a year into my 401k. And now that I've lost some income, I don't have that money to, to contribute to the 401k. How am I going to retire at 65 if I'm not able to then both live on my income and make those additional retirement plan contributions? This writer comes in and makes those contributions on our behalf. You nailed it. It's impressive. It's just just to watch that happen is just amazing. I'm a quick learner, Rod. Okay, so to be fair, I've I you know I've been taught about disability insurance about 150 times over the last 20 years. Yeah. So you would think I should know probably more than I do. But um, okay, so those are some of the the primary riders. There's probably other yes, ones we could get absolutely. into, but here's our primary core riders that most people are thinking about. So the next question, Rod, that comes to mind is, what if I'm a person that already has it, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, okay, this is helpful, valuable, or, or maybe they're thinking this isn't very valuable, <laughs> I, I don't know, but regardless, I'm if I'm listening to this, yeah. and I already have it, um, yeah, what should I do? Is that, do I, should I just blow it off and be like, okay, I already got my insurance, I'm good to go? That's really what Maybe. I'm asking. I mean, if you've, if you've been Maybe. listening to this and you're like, yeah, I knew all of that. I was good. I, I looked at all the language. I knew exactly what I was doing. Okay. Okay. And, I, and yeah, I'm comfortable. Like, like I have enough to cover, you know, any increases in income that I've had since I set it up, all those kinds of things, then, then great. But my, my opinion is that it's worth having someone look at it. And we have, you know, our own uh, resident disability expert uh, that, that, you know, can, can help you if, if that's the case. 
uh, take a look at it. Um, but the other thing is, even if you feel like you were thorough, you might be able to to get more or, or do better. So I'll give you an example. Uh, most of the, the U.S.-based uh, insurance companies have a limit as to how much they'll pay out in, in dollars, right? So we talked about 60 mm-hmm. to 65%, but if we go to your $700,000 earner, uh, most of the U.S.-based companies would not give them enough coverage to cover 60 to 65%, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Their max would be would be higher than what they'd be willing to go. Correct. And so the, the company or- might say, well, we'll give you up to $15,000 a month or $20,000 a month. Okay. But that's not even getting, yeah. getting them halfway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. There are other ways that we can go and, and make up the difference and, and get you to the place where, where you have the full coverage, right? The, the 50000 a month or whatever that, that you really need to, to cover the, the real you know, issue that happens if you become disabled. And so um, there, just, there may just be additional information that, that uh, with the review – we could bring to light and, and maybe help some people out. It's kind of, it's kind of like anything, Rod. Like, like you should have things checked every once in a while to make sure that you're doing. The, especially in these worlds, what this world where it's like price is a big component. Mm-hmm. You might find you might find that you're you know you don't have the quality of coverage and you need something different. But you also might find that you have good quality coverage but could get the same quality for less price. Like yeah, and so it's you know it's one of those things that. Every once in a while, every five years or so, it's probably worth just considering where we're at and making sure we're making good, you know, we have, we have what we want um, and, you know, we're making good decisions in a real, in relation. Yeah. Enough in the case okay. is that you end up adding to what you already have. Keep what you have and, and add more to it. Is, is Gosh, Rob, that sounds awful. Cause no one's, no one's excited about buying disability insurance. Can, can we agree with that? I think How many people have you met that are like thrilled about it? One. Okay, that's more than I thought. <laughs> I mean, I know some, I know a few people that sell it that are really thrilled about disability insurance, yes. but I don't know, I don't know as many people who buy it for that reason. However, I think some of us with high incomes just know that there is value in doing it, especially yeah. again if if my my income is well, okay, so let's put it this way. If I'm a business owner, and I can go down, but I can figure out a way to replace me inside the business. Mm-hmm. Like that's very different than being a specialist where you're doing the active day-to-day work and it just nothing, it can't happen if you're right. not there. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So there's a different level of, of um, importance just depending on who you are and, and where you're at. Okay, Rod. So now that we've covered disability insurance, we get to move into the very exciting world of long-term care insurance, which hasn't been around a long time and has a lot of fluidity to it. But luckily, we have you here to clear it up for us. So let's start from the top, Rod. What is long-term care insurance? Okay, so there is a specific category of care called long-term care, okay? And it's not covered by health insurance. So the reason it exists is it's not covered in other ways, right? So, for example, yep. uh, if I have something happen to me, uh, my my health insurance is going to cover the the hospital stay or or maybe hopefully medications or things like that. But if I need ongoing care, having a nurse come to my home or being you know inside of a nursing facility, my regular health insurance is not going to cover all those things, right? And so this is becomes a, a category in and of itself where I can get help with paying for those expenses. Okay, pretty simple and straightforward. And I think we all know people 
who have needed to go into like a long long term care facility or something yep. like that. So it and, and we also all know how expensive it is. Yep. So so and and I think that's why this has become such a critical topic for people is because older people have been struggling to find reasonably priced care. Uh, so this is so this is an important topic. I think all of us know people that you know could have could have and should have had long-term care insurance and didn't and you know it hurt them significantly from a financial standpoint mm-hmm. okay so Arrell, let's talk about how it works now that we have an idea of what it okay. is so there are two things that qualify a person for this coverage okay and the first one has to do with what they call the six activities of daily living okay if i get to a place where i can no longer do any two of those then i qualify so let's talk about what those are okay this is this yes, is where it gets really that's exciting. important okay so yes. It's bathing, incontinence, dressing. Okay, wait. What does incontinence mean? It means that I, I, my bowels uh, work on their own. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I okay. Can't okay my good. Bowels. I'm glad that I clarified yeah. that. Rod, I, I mean, I've like gone through this list, but I didn't think I, I didn't know what that meant. So thank you. And for clarifying. Um, okay. So then, after that, incontinence was dressing, eating, dressing, eating, toileting. Okay. I know what these mean. Transferring. I think I know what toileting means. Transferring just means moving from my, moving. my bed to, let's say I'm even in a wheelchair or something, but, but moving from my bed to my wheelchair, wheelchair to whatever, right? So just getting that, that transfer, okay? okay? So those are the six. So if two of these six functions of daily living are no longer, if we can no longer do, do two of these, we then, up, we then qualify for long-term care insurance yes. based on that definition. Yes. Okay. okay. And then the, the second one, the second way to qualify is if it has a cognitive impairment. Okay. So, okay. I can, I'm so still. If I have Alzheimer's, I can still qualify, yeah. even if I'm able to do most of these things, but need, may need help with some other components. Right. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, attention on a, on a kind of a high level, but physically I can do all those things, then you still qualify. Okay. That's important. Um, okay, so now we, we know the two qualifications primarily. Let's talk about the elimination period yeah. as it relates to long-term care. Yeah, And it looks like it's pretty similar to disability. Very similar. Weird. Yep, so it kicks in after, again, depending on the, the plan you get, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Uh, so, so initially, you're paying your own. Okay, You just have to be prepared to, to pay for it for, again, usually at least 30 days, uh, and then the, the coverage will kick in after that. Who should have it, Rod? Sorry, actually, before you go there, one more thing on on the how does it work is okay, okay. is when I do qualify for it, and then I'm in a facility or I'm having a nurse come into my home to to help take you know take care of me. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, what happens is it's a reimbursement, so I pay the the initial cost, okay. and then the coverage pays me for that. And it might be like a, uh, they call it a per diem, just means every day I qualify for X amount of coverage might be hundred bucks a day, might be whatever. Right. Um, and, and less often it's a direct payment to the facility or to the, the, the nursing, you know, uh, organization or whatever. Um, but that's, that's usually how the, the actual benefit gets paid out. Okay. Okay. Rod. So when we get into this next question of who should have it, I just don't want you to say anyone who gets old. <laughs> Okay, well, but I do want you to. Okay, so and that's probably true because again, where you're at financially has an impact on whether 
this becomes relevant. And I, as I say that, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like torn already, Rod. Like, if I'm financially independent, do I want long-term care insurance? Do I not? I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting issue. Like, it might, if I actually need it, then it's the most efficient way to pay for mm-hmm. those types of expenses, yeah. right? If I if I don't need it, then it's kind of a waste of money. I mean, it, it creates peace of mind, but it's just that's money that's gone. I don't get it back. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit later the different ways that we can create it. And I think that'll help you with your with your concern. Right. OK. Okay. okay so then let's talk more about who should have long term care. Insurance. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I hear most often is uh, the ever increasing cost of, of health care. Who knows what it's going to be in fill in the blank 20 30 40 years when i'm older and and yes. more likely to need it um will i be financially independent enough to cover it and that just becomes a question mark in people's brains that they they want to they want to at least either be able to uh say yes i now went out and got the coverage and i'm good or more definitively answer that question right i'm i'm just going to take it on right and it's huge. Like any of us, know, like healthcare costs increase far more quickly than inflation, or at least they have yeah. over the last, you know, many years. Yeah. And, and the, okay. the other danger and, and kind of the fear that, that just kind of racks people on this one is let's just say they were planning to be self-insured and then they ran out of money, but they're still alive and they still need that care. Well, the alternative becomes Medicaid, Right. So it's not like they're just thrown out on the street and yet the the kind of the rumors or the... Might feel that way in comparison to what someone could be used right. to. So if you want more say in how you receive the care, especially as compared to things like Medicaid, then, then the long-term care insurance is obviously a much better option for you. Rod, did you already talk about using it, like the importance of protecting your nest egg? I did not, but let's do it now. But that's it. Yeah, right? let's talk about it. I think that's important. That's an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, because even if you could self-insure, if your thought process is, why would I want to, right? Why would I want to let it eat away at at what I've worked so hard to build up? And and number one, I want to enjoy now. But even if I can't enjoy it, I want to pass it on to my kids. Then long-term care insurance will help you preserve that nest egg. You don't have to tap into it. Okay, I think that's a good group. So really, the the reality is is that everybody that's going to get old, I know I'm answering the question this way, should be thinking about how they're going to potentially pay for long-term care type costs, yeah. right? Yep. That doesn't mean that everyone should own long-term care insurance, but everyone should have a plan to make sure that they're ready and can pay for those potential costs that come up. And I'll say this, is that fair to yeah, say? I'll say this too. I think a lot of people... Uh, eat, and a lot of it's just if they're just ignoring it and they're just thinking it'll, uh, they just hope it doesn't happen to them. Uh, but a lot of them also in the in their mind, they feel like, oh, maybe my spouse will take care of me or, or I'll just, my kids mm, will take care yeah. of me or things like that. And, and maybe if that's just like the only option, then great. But n- nobody wants, number one, they don't want to be that burden, right? And number two, the, the kids don't want their lives interrupted. Now, they love mom. They want to take care of her. You know, something happens, you know they'll pitch in and do what they can. Uh, at least I've seen situations where that happens and, and it, it kind of almost becomes heroic, but you don't want to plan on heroism, right? 
Okay, Rod, I have experience with this this issue. So when I uh, was 21 and uh, I moved back home for about a year, year and a half or so, my grandma lived with us. She had Alzheimer's at the time. And my mom was thinking, okay, you know, at that time her, her husband already passed. So mm-hmm. she was like, I have the capacity to care for my mom. And she had Alzheimer's and while we had some really like sweet, fun moments with my grandma, it was really, really hard. Like we didn't, I don't think we were ready for the challenges that came along with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now we were in a position where we could, where we could get her the care that she needed, but like it would have been really difficult to keep her with us even when things were starting to get really hard. Yeah. Right. So, so in that example, like, you know, if you can, if you can create a situation where it's there and available, like you just want to do it. Yeah, and and I agree. I've I've also seen some situations like that, and it does become, um, it creates good memories, right? But it can also create just really you know hardships. And so if it's a scenario like that where it's, hey, we we, we want mom to be at home because that's where she's most comfortable. That's where it just makes sense. Yeah, and th- we're that's all going to pitch in and do this, but we also still have some care coming in to take care of those, you know, specialty types of things that like, you know, in your case, Alzheimer's comes with a lot of things that you probably just didn't understand or, or weren't prepared to, to deal with. And, but there are those who, who are specialized in that. Right. So Rod, I realized that I didn't even make my point in that, in that comment. My point was mm-hmm. actually my grandmother cared for before she got Alzheimer's. She cared for my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Right. And she ended up dying. Like she cared for him for years. He was far less healthy than she was. She did have, she had diabetes, but was like, you know, lived a healthy lifestyle um, with one exception. And that was that she started to like, not focus on herself and focus so much on my grandpa that her health declined and she ended up um, dying before him. And, And I've heard that that's something that's common that, that mm-hmm. can happen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like w- we didn't come here to talk about horror stories or right. anything like that. But again, just like life example says that w- we kind of all know that long-term care is something that's out there. And again, whether we do it through insurance or whether we do it on our own, it's something that we have to plan for. Yep. Okay, Rod, this one's, uh, we're getting to the, we're getting to the end here, but we want to make sure we hit on two things. We're going to talk about taxes. And then more importantly, we want to talk about, how to evaluate the options. So hit on taxes first and just, I mean, yeah, this one's pretty easy. Is LTC taxable? Okay. So the answer is the benefit is not taxable up to a maximum. So the IRS says up to $390 a day. I talked earlier about that kind of per diem uh, benefit. So if you are receiving Mm -hmm. up to $390 a day in 2022, that's the, that's the max limit. uh, Then it's not taxable. If you receive benefits above that, then it becomes taxable. Okay, perfect. Okay, now we'll get to the important stuff as it relates to long-term care insurance. How do we consider the options? What, yeah, what are the options? Because I talked a little bit about how long-term care insurance hasn't even been around that mm-hmm. long, and there are some problems with it. Maybe I'll hit on those really quick, mm-hmm. and then you can talk about what the what the kind of options and solutions sure. are. But the the couple of problems that exist is one that. Uh, Long-term care insurance, many companies don't lock in the price. So over time, my my insurance could go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ends up being a huge issue. And then on the other side of that, there's obviously the challenge that 
I may get nothing back out of it. So let's just say theoretically, uh, long-term care is something that's really important to me. I'm paying four or five, and I've seen this four or five, six, seven hundred dollars a month. And again, you know, if and it keeps going up on them, and it's like they they can't go get a new policy because at that point, you know, they're already older, and it's just the situation where you're kind of stuck, mm-hmm. and you have to decide: Am I willing to pay the additional premiums that are being required? Or let it go, and if I let it go, then that's that means that all of those premiums that I've paid beforehand gave me peace of mind. But that's it, yeah. and you know I paid a lot for that peace of yeah. mind. So anyway, th- those are some of the challenges that exist inside the LTC world. So maybe talk Rod about kind of what the options are, their purest form, and what the alternatives are. Yeah, uh, and and I, I think that's a great point because I saw a statistic that said that on average only. 50% of people who have long-term care insurance end up using it anyway, right? And that's kind of the point yeah. of insurance, right? I, I buy my auto insurance hoping I'm not going to need it, right? I would love if right. I never had to use my health insurance, but I'm still going to have it, right? So I, I get that. The problem is when it's uh, with, when it's something like long-term care insurance that they haven't figured out how to price mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. yet. Um, getting closer, I think, but but also when it's so expensive, yep. right? It. Like are my auto insurance, I might pay a hundred bucks a month, but you know, for to cover my long term care expenses, it could just be significantly yeah. more than that. Yeah, and and so when I'm when we're evaluating our options, it goes back to kind of similar things we talked about before. So the elimination period, depending on how long I wait yep. before I let that kick in, uh, that makes a difference in in the cost, and then how much benefit I'm looking for, right? How much of that per diem do I get? A hundred bucks a day? Do I get two hundred bucks a day? And then for how long? Mm-hmm. How long is do it for I get 12 it? months? Is it yep. for 36 months? Is it for 60 months? Uh, there are the costs obviously, you know, depend greatly on those. And, and another one of the big challenges with this is uh, if you go off of statistics, then it, you, you might see that people who are in long-term care, you know, don't tend to last all that long. Right. But yeah, that's right. It's like, it's like under two years, but those that do, what do you do? Right. So you get to that, you get past that, that average, I think it's like 17 months or something, Mm, Uh, but you get past that and then what? (laughs) Right. So, so it it is, it is hard. And, and so we want, we want the coverage, but we, we don't want to pay more than we have to. And yet it's just kind of becomes a, a, it's a trick. You've got to think about, you got to consider the options and, and go with whatever works. You feel like you're kind of chasing your tail. And that's where I think we're now getting into, the options for how to get it is, is maybe going to be a little more helpful for people. Okay. So let me clarify though. When you say how to get it, we're not going to talk about necessarily just how to get long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to talk about how to get long-term care benefits Correct. as a whole. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. With that context, go for okay, it. So, so the first option is pure long-term care insurance. So I'm paying for paying premiums on a monthly basis for just like we've been yeah, talking for about this here. elimination period slash how, you know, benefit uh, pure and simple. This, the second uh, option that I have is what they call an asset-based coverage. So, for example, I could get uh, an, an annuity. Let's say I want mm-hmm. I, I have a, a chunk of cash. I want to put it somewhere where it's doing something. They don't tend to grow much in these types of policies, but let's just say I right. can get a, a 1% or 2% growth rate on that money. And it turns into a long-term care benefit uh, if I need it. If I don't need it, it passes on to my heirs. Um, but if I do need it, then I can tap into it and there's some additional 
insurance benefit that comes with it because I, I put it with this specific type of, of an annuity or there are even some like some whole life insurance policies that that are a, a similar idea kind of asset based okay so so it might be something like uh, and correct me because I haven't looked at this in a while Rod mm-hmm. but it might be something like the benefit could give you like two times the the cash value or something like that yeah. so if I put a hundred thousand in it I'm getting two hundred thousand dollars of benefit or and and that could be including the growth so you know, if I, again, there's, there's not a lot of growth happening there, but I might get something like two times the value and that's the benefit of putting it there. Cause, cause otherwise if it's just, you know, you're just saying like, Hey, there's access to this cash. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that doesn't do much right. for you. Is right. Any other asset. If, right. If that's the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So is that what we're seeing in the asset based world? Do, that kind of yes. thing where we're just doing like a multiple of what's there. Right. And so it, be, it still becomes kind of like a per diem, a uh, hundred dollars, uh, per day okay. for, you know, X, X time period. Or like you said, if I've experienced growth, then, then that pushes it out, uh, even further, which hopefully, you know, if, if I'm getting it and then it's 10 years between the time I got it and the time I'm ready to use it, then, then I've increased my benefit base. Okay. Okay, cool. Next one, Rod, is life insurance yeah. as an option. So life insurance rider. And this is where, again, uh, we see people using, well, we, get, we see people using life insurance for a lot of different reasons. Well, this is another really nice thing that can be attached as a rider to the life insurance policy so that it does all the other things that you wanted it to in terms of, in our case, like the investment optimizer or or like I'm, I'm using the, we call it living benefits, right? Using the cash value for different yep. things. Um, but then if I get to a place where I, I need long-term care, then there's this rider and and there are two categories of these riders. One is a more pure long-term care coverage. It is based on a kind of a per diem payout. Um, and it's an extra cost yes. usually, right? We're, we're paying extra to get that additional benefit. Yep. Whereas without, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of no, you. No, yeah, that's it. So the second category is it's a rider. They usually call it like a chronic illness rider or an accelerated benefit rider uh, mm, where... Yeah where they're actually just taking a portion of the death benefit that they were planning to pay out anyway, because it, it usually comes mm-hmm. with a permanent life insurance type of policy, but they're accelerating it. In other words, making it so that you get to yep. use it while you're still living towards these types of expenses. Okay. So here's the question, Rod, what's the benefit of using and, and why would I like, how do I evaluate whether I should use pure long-term care insurance asset base or use it, use it inside of the life insurance yeah. rider? Like, where do I even start if I'm thinking about okay, this? Okay, an easy starting point is if I want to get life insurance anyway, that's a great way to yeah. to uh, have that kind of a rider. And and we didn't say this, but with a lot of these like the chronic illness riders, there isn't an extra cost on the front end to have it in the policy. The cost comes right. later when if I use it, then there's a it's a discounted dollar off of the death benefit, and that that kind of pays the cost so to speak for that. Yeah. So basically they're saying because it's accelerated, you're getting it earlier than you would have. Otherwise, we're going to give you 85 cents on the dollar right. or something yep. like that. Yep. And if I'm younger, then it might be 60 cents off the dollar or of, of the death. Yeah. Rate. So the, the nice thing on those is, like you said, there's generally not cost to it. Mm-hmm. One. And you, you have the choice, obviously, as to whether you use it. Mm-hmm. So if you need it in that situation, then it could be really valuable. But it might not, you know, you may not even worry about yeah. it. And like um, I said, if you're going to get life then, insurance anyway, then it's a no brainer. Just, just 
ha- yeah, have it as part of that it. We, on we just include it, uh, you know, in all cases yes, where it's available, we're, we're going to include it anyway. So, yeah, so that's it. We always include the free rider that creates that additional benefit. We don't always create the that kind of second tier, which is an additional premium to cover it more holistically. Mm-hmm. But it's available. And, you know, to be honest with you, based on what I've seen, like it, I would have a hard time buying traditional long-term care insurance for all the reasons that I've talked about. I'm probably a little biased um, because we use life insurance as an asset class for a lot of things and we, we see the value mm-hmm. in it and it can be kind of multi-purposed. Um, but, you know, my recommendation is that to look at the other options. Yeah. I guess that's the big recommendation. Check out the other options and see. Because you might just find that you can do just as much with little to no cost. And, and, and so why yeah, not? Yeah, and, and you right? might end up buying a, a more traditional policy, but you don't feel the pressure of that, like, that's the only source that's going to cover this. I have to, you know, pay large premiums to, to cover everything. If you can do it up to a certain point and then supplement with the other, then that might be a, a good way to approach it as well. Okay, Rod, this has been a super exciting conversation oh, yeah. about disability and long-term care insurance. I think we covered everything, so I think we're good to close it up for yeah, today. Absolutely. Anything else on your no, side? No, I think that's all I had. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.